Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Field, that one's called to the right. Hunter on the move, racing back. It's over his head. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. This is Red Sox beat on CLNS Radio. I think it would be a big statement if John Farrell started Travis Shaw on opening day, and I'd be totally cool with it. Because I think it would. It, it, if that doesn't give Sandoval motivation to, to play better defense and play better, period, nothing will. I think they're going to make Jeter that first unanimous vote, and I hate that about baseball writers. If you belong in the Hall of Fame, you get voted in the Hall of Fame. Achievement or a new milestone. So don't just be like, hey, we, we signed this player, so we're going to have a ceremony. Like, no, no. Like. Now, to your hosts. Hi, Red Sox fans. Red Sox beat CLNS Media, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage of your Boston Red Sox and, of course, all of New England professional sports. Uh, Jess Thomas and Lauren Campbell alongside me. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter at Red Sox underscore beat. Facebook is Red Sox beat podcast, CLNS Media. Uh, at CLNS Media on Twitter, Facebook, just search CLNS Media. You will find us there as well. Uh, don't forget the free mobile podcast app. Uh, search CLNS in your iOS or Android app store, and you will find us there too. Listen to all the network shows. We're there. Uh, everybody else is there as well, so definitely check that out. Um, week of baseball that was, you know, Red Sox are hanging on to the division lead this week, guys, and not by a lot. No, but they're hanging on, and they're they're doing it with, with the Yankees losing as well, so... If it hasn't been for the last few Yankees losses. It it could be it could be really ugly right now. Yeah, those Yankos just aren't going away. But, nope. You know, gonna gonna put them out away at some point as long <laughs> as you're holding the three or four game lead, even two. You know, that's fine. Season's season's coming to a close. So unless they make a really big run and the Sox start losing every game, it's gonna be tough for them. Two creeps me out. I don't like two. It's just a weird number for me. I like three or up is good. That makes me feel comfortable. Um, look, this Red Sox team is somewhat flawed in a way. You know, the rotation's starting to fall apart for some reason. The bullpen's actually sharing up because Carson Smith looked good. He pitched well tonight uh, in the win against uh, the Rays. So, like, look, it's just a, not the Rays, the Orioles, excuse me. So, look, it's one of those things where one thing starts to go well, the other thing starts to fall apart. The one constant is they're missing a middle of the order bat. And it's not going to come from anybody. So they got to figure out how to hit like a team and, and win as a team. And they did that tonight and over the course of the week. They did okay with that. So let's jump into the recap here from Jess. Let's kind of see um, uh, how this week went overall. It was it was pretty good in a sense. It wasn't bad. Uh, they, they ended up going, what, 4-2? and two, So uh, with a nice long extra inning game in there too for all of us to stay awake and not get any sleep over. 
Love those long 15-inning games. It's been a, lot of, a lot of extra inning games this year. What is it, like 15 now, something like that? Se- 17 now. God, 17. Awful. Awful. And a 14-3 and record in those. That's unbelievable. That's really good. I mean, They just like to gonna, play extra baseball. If you're going to win that much in extra innings, let's have every game go to extra innings. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, if, you, if you don't lose, we'll it's take a win-win it. for Lauren. They keep winning, and she gets extra baseball for no reason. Right. I know. I love it. As someone said on Twitter, like, they say it's free baseball, but... You pay for it the next day when you're up all night. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. My uh, my en- my energy life. pays for it the next day. That is for sure. That's right. All right, we'll jump into the recap here. Uh, started against the A's. We all thought it'd be an easy three-game sweep. Wasn't the case. Two out of three, but still a pretty good series overall, especially starting on a Monday in the first game of the series. Um, it was an eleven-to-one victory over the Athletics, big time. Big time win. It was Erod against Sean Manaya, and uh, Erod was good, really good. Manaya wasn't. Erod actually only gave up one hit in the game in six innings, one run, did have four walks as he's been prone to, and nine strikeouts. Um, Manaya, on the other hand, pitched three and two thirds innings, eleven hits and seven runs. Not quite so good. Uh, the A's actually got their only run in the first inning on a Jed Lowry RBI double, but then it was all Red Sox from their five runs second inning was the big one. Xander Bogarts had an RBI single. Christian Vasquez had an RBI single. Dustin Pedroia had an RBI single. Mookie Betts had a two-RBI triple. That was just a st- uh, an RBI triple, excuse me. That was just the start of his night after Vasquez made it 8-1 to one in the fifth. Sorry. Rewind. <laughs> five to- Betts' triple made it 5-1. was a two-RBI triple. Then he hit a two-run homer for four RBI in the fourth inning. Then Vasquez made it eight to one. Bradley Jr. made it nine to one in the fifth, and then in the sixth, Betts hit another two-run homer to make it eleven to one. Sorry, I got my innings confused there. So eleven to one, six RBI for Betts, three hits, two home runs. So it was totally his night. Uh, I don't know what's better because they're both great. Eleven runs on sixteen hits and two homers, six RBI for Betts, or Erod only giving up one hit in six innings. Either way, you look at it. Successful game. I mean, you can't you can't be mad at this team. Uh, when they score 11 runs, because we ask about we ask them to score runs all the time, and we ask for run support for everybody, and when you score 11 runs, you can't really nitpick. No, you can't nitpick at all. I don't care if you're scoring 11 runs on the A's. I don't care if you're scoring 11 runs on the Yankees. 11 runs is 11 runs, and it was great to see the offense just kind of explode, and it's a shame they couldn't do it next game, but, I mean, I'm st- I'll still take 11-1 any day. Yeah, three hits for Betts, three hits for Pedroia, three hits for Bogarts. I mean, I think my, maybe the most encouraging thing is that Bogart seems to be picking it up again. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. It's it's hard for me to really crap on him too much because a lot of people do, and they're like, people are so quick to jump off board with him when he struggled for a couple months, but they forget they got hit in the hand, and those things linger. And ever ever since that happened, he'd been playing poorly, and now the last like two weeks or so, he's been definitely playing better. And now they're saying his hand's finally healthy. It's like, those things correlate. Like, I don't, he's not as bad as people think. No, I think, and look, you guys know I'm the biggest Xander supporter. I named my car after the guy. But look, it's just one of those things where people forget what they don't want to use for their argument, right? If it doesn't fit their argument, they're not going to use it in their argument. And people just happen to forget that his hand wasn't right. And it's like, that's like you said, at the plate especially, people were complaining about how much he was struggling at the plate. Well, if your hand's messed up, how are you going to hit? So, look, he did it tonight. He did it over the course of the week. Um, I, I think he's starting to figure out, which is good, because they need someone, you know, they need offense, especially with two weeks left in the week uh, in, the, in the season going into the playoffs. Uh, they, they need this team to start getting some people to step up in a big way. 
Yeah, and it's great that he's starting starting to step up now. And, you know, going back to his hand injury, especially where he got hit, there was no way he was able to grip that bat at, at, at his normal grip. There was no way he was gripping that as hard as he could. And he was probably trying to adjust his grip to the point where it was trying to make him comfortable, but it was still uncomfortable for him. And it still obviously wasn't working because when when something's not right, it's going to screw everything up. And it clearly showed, but it's obviously he's much better now. And it's it's starting to show through through his hits and through his production. Yeah, that's the thing. People just discard injuries and possible lingering things. So, yeah, whatever. They, they, they just suck. And then they don't think about, like, you're facing a 98-mile-per-hour fastball and your hand hurts. It's not really easy to put those two together. And know? it wasn't like it was a sore hand. Like, it wasn't like he was just had pain. Like, it was like he had something physically wrong like, inside. Like, it wasn't just, ah, uh, I got a bruise. Or, like, my hand's sore. You know, I, I was too busy last night. You know, like... It was the fact that he he had some issues with the bones, like that that's sore. He I don't know how you expect to hit a bat consistently with that. Yeah, exactly. It's not as easy as people make it out to be. So, so I apologize for a mistake. That game was on Tuesday. Monday was an off day. I knew the days didn't feel like they were adding up. So that was Tuesday, and now on Wednesday was our next game here. Uh, the only loss of the series against the A's, a seven to three loss. Lauren, this is the one you were at. It sure was. Okay. Stop going to games. Do not go to games. <laughs> I have I have a better record of them winning when I go than when they lose. All right, but you were going. there you were there when they lost <laughs> the games, so Yeah, I've been there for a lot of weird losses. You've been there I mean when you go to enough games, some, something's gonna happen. So True. <laughs> <laughs> So in this game it was all about the first inning. Uh, Doug Fister started and he was bad. More like he was when he started with the Red Sox. I uh, had a couple bad outings. Give up four runs in the first inning of this one. Jed Lowry an RBI triple, and the big blow was a Matt Olson two-run homer to make it four to nothing. Uh, the Sox got four to one, but then the A's got two more runs in the third off Fister to make it six to one after two and a half innings. He went four innings, six hits, six runs, four strikeouts. Not good. Fortunately, they were facing Jarrell Cotton for the A's, and he was pretty much soft like Cotton. He has been for most of the year. Actually, Bold the A's Cotton. Right. <laughs> CRA is almost six. Not good. So the Sox got a few more back. Ben Benintendi got an RBI double in the third, and Jackie Bradley Jr. had a home run in the fifth to make it six to three. But that was the closest they got. Seven to three was the final. The bullpen pitched pretty darn well, but Fister put him in enough of a hole there. Uh, Lauren, anything else to say? I mean, you were there. No, I mean, I it it started ugly, and I just when you go down four nothing early in the game especially when with Fister pitching who was coming in hot and then he just goes back to how he was you know you hear people around you being like oh like this is the Fister that we that we know this is you know what, what he did before then before that was just a fluke and he doesn't deserve to be in the playoff rotation like, you know there's a lot of chatter and it's it's definitely frustrating especially when it is the A's but it's I don't know. It was just, it was a very frustrating game to be at, to say the least. Well, as a guy, you know, from my point of view, I've been trying to support Fister, one, because everybody else in the rotation has been terrible. And two, you know, I I think what he was doing was legit. I don't, you know, I still believe in him as a playoff starter. Now, tonight was a big no-no, too. Um, But I I think out of your other options, he might end up being the odd guy out, unfortunately, for um, what you have, because I I think a lot of people, including John Farrell, are going to trust Rick Porcello and Eduardo Rodriguez before Doug Fister, if it all pans out, but it seems like every time these guys are going out now, it's kind of an audition for those final those two spots. And they're yeah. kind of inconsistent, so it's kind of like who do you pick? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're all bad at once, and they're all good at once. And it's like, all right, well, can somebody just be good so we can figure this out, please? Like, 
No one seems to want it. None of them are hungry enough. Every time it seems like one figures it out, he goes falls off the edge like Fister the last couple starts, or Porcello figures it out, then he lets up three home runs in a game, and he falls back off the cliff. Like None of these guys seem hungry enough to want it, which and is Pomeranz really concerning. Is most, Pomeranz is the most consistent one. Really? Yeah. Did you ever, did you ever think he'd be saying that? Him, yes. I don't think Jess thought I would be agreeing with him on that subject, though. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, he's the only one who hasn't given up a ton of runs in, like, a start. Like, he stayed pretty consistent. The most runs he's given up, I think, is four in the last, like, four months. So, really, he's been the steady one, which you wish you could lump Chris Sale into that, too, but at this point. Nope. Not at the moment, you know. Maybe he'll turn it around, but, yeah, I mean, Fisher's tough. It's, you know, it's, we were I mean, ready to slot him into the three slot before. Now, two bad outings in a row, including tonight on Monday as a show record, which we'll cover more next week, but... Yeah, you can't be giving up four, six runs and three innings in the playoffs. No, absolutely not. And this whole game was just had a weird feel to it, you know, with Fister just not performing well. And then the whole, you know, the banner was dropped over the Green Monster. So it was just a very weird game all around. Yeah, no doubt. We'll get to that. We'll get to that a little bit later. Um, yeah, it's. And the thing with Fisher too, is he, he's the worst in the first inning. And if you get down in the first inning in the playoffs, that's kind of a recipe for disaster. <laughs> Even if it's only two runs, it's still, you know, it's the postseason. Like, every inning counts. Well, that's, why, that's that. why Porcello's an issue, too. Because if he lets up one home run, then you're down, and the offense isn't what they used to be. So there, there's issues everywhere, and that's the, that's what's going to cause the problem. If you play the Indians, you're screwed, is really what I'm at. Like, you might be able to beat the Astros, <laughs> but if you play the Indians, these, whole, these deficiencies are going to keep you from winning. Yeah, we'll it's, it's funny that you bring up uh, in the first inning because Evan Drellick of CSN tweeted out tonight, can't spell first without, I can't spell Fister without first. And I was like, <laughs> ah. <Yeah. Fister. laughs> I was like, ugh, you most certainly can't, Evan. You most certainly can't. Yep, that's been his problem, area. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we'll move on to the good stuff. On uh, Thursday, with another win against the A's. 6-2 to two win. Uh, and this one, the runs happen late. And speaking of our boy, Brew. Brew. <laughs> Brew. Drew Pomerantz. Uh, he went six innings, giving up five hits, one run, five strikeouts. Very solid. Once again, like always. And uh, Daniel Gossett for the A's was also pretty good, but not good enough. Uh, he gave up three runs, and they were mostly later on in the game. Nobody scored until the fifth inning. Uh, Josh Fegley hit a sack fly in the fifth to make it one nothing, And then the next batter... Not the next batter, but the next inning after right after that had happened, Christian Vasquez unloaded a solo home run to tie it up. So the lead didn't last very long. And then the Sox got two more in the sixth off Gossett. RBI double for Andrew Benintendi, RBI double for Mitch Moreland. It was 3-1. to one. Pedroia made a 4-1 with the sack fly. Benintendi made a 6-1 with a two-RBI single. His third hit and his third RBI of the game, that made it 6-1. to one. Ryan Healy hit a home run in the eighth, and that made it 6-2. to two. And that was the final in that one. Um... But, I mean, this this was a great example of kind of what we're talking about. You know, Pomerantz shut him down for the first four innings. You pitch well, you win ball games. Yeah, yep, no, but we... this this is what we've been talking about, right, and why, you know, Pomerantz has been the most consistent. It's you, sh- you get in, you get out, you do what you're supposed to do against the team that you're supposed to do it against. And a lot of the pitchers that have had issues this year, it's been, you've been really good in some situations, but then you lose it in bad, you lose it in bad situations where you shouldn't be losing it, or you, you give up those home runs early, and I never believed in Drew Pomeranz, I, but I, I guess it really was the injury because he's been the most consistent pitcher, like you said, Jess. And um, at this point, 
you could almost argue giving him the ball game one over Chris Sale. It would never happen. Um, but you can honestly argue <laughs> that coming the playoff time and down the stretch here, they each only have a couple more starts before the playoffs come. Um, you can honestly argue Drew Pomeranz is your number one guy going in the playoffs for sure. 2017 is weird. <laughs> Get me to 2018 now. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, that's just baseball. It's just crazy things happen, things you don't expect. Pitchers emerge, pitchers fall off. So, something else to not expect was this game on Friday. Holy crap, this one was wild. Wowee. Um, <laughs> wasn't it? Man. Oh, I mean, my God. Let's break this business down. Um, <laughs> so, the game was a 15 inning game, a 13 to 6 final. Um, Chris Sale started the game, so you wouldn't expect a Chris Sale game to go to 15 innings and go six hours in five minutes. Oh, but That's it pretty did. wild. Yeah, it sure did. Uh, Sale was not very sharp. Matt Andrews only went four and a third innings, which is better than his inning and two-thirds from the week before, uh, so he's better than that. But um, we'll start at the beginning. Uh, each team scored a run in the first. Ben Benintendi got an RBI single, so did Longoria. Mitch Moreland made a 2-1 to one with a home run in the fourth. And then Wilson Ramos had a two-run blast off sale in the fourth to make it 3-2. And Danny Echeverria hit a solo home run off sale in the sixth to make it 4-2. That was it for sale. He lasted five and two-thirds. He gave up six hits, four runs, three walks, nine strikeouts. Before we go on to the rest of the game, I kind of want to get your guys' thoughts on his outing. I mean, he got nine strikeouts and five in a row at one point, which is really good. But he also gave up two long balls, which is not good. I guess, I don't know, it wasn't as bad as some of his outings, but you can't be encouraged it's, by it. It's too inconsistent for what Chris Hill is supposed to be. That's the problem. Like I love the strikeouts, and he had that run, but it's way too inconsistent. The one good thing that I've seen out of this entire situation where he's been consistent, and, and obviously the stats prove that it's been like this his whole career, but... He's actually pissed off about it. Like, you watch him pitch, he's cursing, he's mad at himself, he's not happy with it. Other guys, even on this team, will do the same thing and not be mad, not really show too much emotion or anger. And some guys aren't like that, but, you know, if you're pitching this bad, as some of these pitchers are, I want you to show emotion. I want you to be pissed. I want, as Red Sox fan, as media covers this team, I want to know that you actually care about what you're doing. And Chris Sale, as much as it sucks that he's been pitching like crap, it's nice to see at least his emotion there because it means he's trying to fix it. He's trying to get over it. He wants to pitch well. This outing was not good. I don't. I don't. I know he has nine strikeouts, but that's all I took from it because um, that he was inconsistent. He was all over the place and couldn't even get out of the sixth inning. Yeah, it definitely wasn't a traditional Chris Sale outing. And you know, going back to the whole emotion thing, I I love that he's always real with the media, and I love that he takes responsibility. And I usually like that we don't see a lot of emotion from him but when Farrell took him out you know he mouth I'm pretty sure he mouthed though I got him I got him and Farrell took him out anyway and you could just tell he was pissed and I mean that's the kind of stuff that you like there like he wants to get that last out he wants to complete that inning and he's not going to be able to do it and you could just tell that look on his face and I was just like oh no like he's gonna throw stuff in the bullpen or go for it do it at this point I don't care whatever works for you Chris Sale like seriously smash a phone like david ortiz did (laughs) so but i mean it's discouraging of course to see your ace kind of be a little inconsistent and we know that he's not the best in september he's always kind of struggled in september um and then i mean nine strikeouts are are encouraging yes but he needs to go deeper he needs to be better and i know he knows that we know he knows it so it's i don't really think it's too much to be concerned about but of course, there's going to be concern running through our minds heading into the playoffs. And can he handle, you know, going 
five, six, seven innings, can he be the Chris Sale he was through the first 10 starts of the season? We'll find out. All right, moving on in this game. Uh, Wilson Ramos hit a second home run in the game. This one off Barnes in the eighth to make it 5-2. So it wasn't looking very good for the Sox, but then the Rays brought in their closer, Alex Colomay, who actually leads the league in saves, like 42 or 43, and he was really bad. Um, a mixture of a lot of things, um, including some wildness. He was all over the place, walks. Uh, I'll take you to the ninth inning. He watched Mitch Moreland, went Moreland with a second on a wild pitch, talking about the wildness. Then Rafael Devers uh, reached on an error to make it 5-3. to three. Mitch Moreland scored. And then uh, Christian Vasquez pinch hit for, for uh, how was it, Jeremy Lin? Sue <laughs> Lin. Lin <laughs> Sanity, playing baseball Lin-Sanity. now. That's right. They call him that too. Uh, and Vasquez got a single as he's been doing, hitting great. Um, and then Sandy Leone reached on an infield single that the that the uh, Rays couldn't get an out on, and then Devers scored. They made it five to four, and then after Jackie Bradley fly out, Xander Bogarts ripped a single to left to score. Rajay Davis, who pinch ran, tied the game at five, and then that was that was it for that inning for runs. So tied it up at five. Completely improbable, but but awesome to see in the first game of the series. Um, Kevin Kiermeyer made an unbelievable catch on Bradley's fly out that probably saved the game for them at that point. Oh, that was a ridiculous catch. Ridiculous catch. Oh, yeah. It would have been probably 7-5 to five at that point, and instead, you know, he kept it kept it close. So, they can thank him for that. Yep. Uh, he made another great catch at the inning later, running back. So, he did a lot of stuff. Uh, we'll get to him even more later. The Sox took the lead again in this game in the 14th, after no one scored for four straight innings. In the 14th, Rafael Devers got an RBI single to make it 6-5. to five. You're feeling good about it. You're like, all right, we'll get this game over by like 12-20 or so. And then Kevin Kiermeyer came up and hit a solo home run off Brandon Workman in the 14th <laughs> side of the game after two great catches. Clearly, this was his night. He said, you're not going to bed. We're keeping you up. Fortunately, a lot of the Red Sox do go insane in the 15th inning uh, after it was tied at six. They got seven runs in the 15th inning, which is insane. They got more runs in that inning than the whole 14 innings combined before it. And which was six runs, which is still a lot. So I just made that even more ridiculous. Um, Pedroia got an RBI uh, fielder's choice to make it seven to six. Um, ben Attendee made it eight to six with an RBI single. Moreland made it nine to six with an RBI single. Devers grounded out another error by the by the race, made it ten to six. Devin Marrero had a two RBI double, twelve to six, and Bradley finished off with an RBI single. Bogarts, excuse me, with an RBI single to make it thirteen to six. Seven runs in that fifteenth inning. Uh, and then the Sox won by that final of 13-6. to six. Um, The Rays used an insane amount of pitchers in this game. Um, and, you know, it worked for a while until until they broke out. Uh, Austin Pruitt gave up four runs. Chase Whitley gave up four runs. So they were pretty bad there at the end. But this was a crazy game. And Dustin Pedroia went 0-9, for 9, which is really hard to do. But he did drive in the game-winning run on that fielder's choice and then an error. So... Four hits for Xander Bogarts. Like I said earlier in the show, he has been rolling. So four hits for him. Two for Ben Attendi, Three for Betts. Three for Moreland. Two for Marrero, who didn't even start. Seriously. Two for Leone. Two for Bradley. There were a lot of hits in this game. I mean, the Sox had 21 hits. So, I mean, man, we already talked about Chris Sale, but that I don't I don't get baseball. They score, 
six runs, fourteen innings, and you go out and score seven runs in the fifteenth inning and win a extra inning game by seven runs. That's hard to do. I thought this game was going nineteen again after they tied it up in the fourteenth uh, inning. I was like, you gotta be kidding! Me. This is gonna go like a marathon game again. They're they're the kings of of making these extra inning games count. And like you said, they only lost what three games in their extra inning ventures. Fourteen and three. Fourteen and three. So look. I don't know what it is about extra innings, but they make it happen, and this game was no surprise um, to me. I figured at this point, you know, um, they're, they're probably going to win better more often than they're going to lose these extra inning games. Uh, it's nice to see the offense pick them up, especially when a terrible Chris Sale outing happens. Now, I wish they won in, um, in regulation because they need to figure that out. I'm so done with extra inning games, and if they keep going to extra inning games, their bullpen's going to be taxed come playoff time, but... Probably already. I mean, is. They shouldn't even tag, uh, tie this game. They were down three. But. Oh, I know, but like they need to stop going to extra innings because the bullpen's going to pay for it if they keep doing it. But look, Chris Sale needs to figure it out. Other than that, this is a huge win for this team because they shouldn't have won the game in the first place. So, no, it was an absolutely huge win, and uh, I I was covering this game and. I worked until nine, got home, and it was kind of like the last, you know, the nineteen inning game where I still had so much baseball to watch. And you know, coming towards the end, I know Jess, we were we were chatting with the, with the others, and it was just like, all right, somebody score, somebody score, and the Red Sox couldn't stop scoring. So it's like, and this is exactly why I love baseball. I say it on Twitter like five times a day. I say it on my Facebook. This is exactly why I love baseball. They they tied the game in the ninth, and then they take the lead. The Orioles tie it. And it's just, it's so, it's back and forth. Uh, not the Orioles. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm on tonight's game. The, cool. I screw up some stuff too. <laughs> <laughs> I do it all the time. It's, it's Monday. It's, a, it's been a weird day. But it's just, it's, it's so much now. fun. Technically Tuesday, yeah. It's, it's 12.08. <laughs> it's been a long week. But, you know, it's, it's just, it's great to see the Red Sox come back. And then just to see them completely battle to the end. And this is exactly why I love baseball. And it's funny that their offense figured it out, you know, six hours later. But I'll, I'll take a win any way we can get it at this point. Yep. One thing you say for this team is they do not give up. <laughs> they just Absolutely. keep playing. No. They keep playing. They keep playing. Okay. That's a good, I mean, it's a good sign. You know, it's, the team has some flaws, as we talked about. But. They don't give up. That's you can't take that away from them. That'll Absolutely help them down, down the line. So, so that's good. So that's a great win. Uh, brought us into Saturday, and this was a really good win as well. A three to one win. Uh, mostly good because my guy Rick Porcello. You know how much I love him, and uh, this was really satisfying to watch. This I would I could deem this his best game of the year. He pitched extremely well. He pitched seven and a third, five hits, one run. It wasn't even earned. One walk and three strikeouts. And the run didn't even happen until the eighth inning when he left. He only threw ninety four pitches. He could have gone deeper if they if they wanted him to. You know, he usually throws upwards of like one ten, one fifteen. He could have thrown a complete game. Absolutely, no doubt in this game. And he was rolling. You know, he didn't go up any home runs. Just five hits. The guy leads the league in hits. And he only go up five hits. That's really good too. So that was super encouraging. The offense gave him enough, not a ton, but enough. Mookie Betts hit a home run in the second, make it one nothing, and then he delivered with an RBI single in the sixth to make it two nothing. Rafael Devers drove him in with a double, to make it three nothing, and then the Rays got that run in the eighth. Um, off Addison Reed, it was Porcello's run. It was unearned, and that was it. And I mean, you know, you want to pitch well against a, a, a worse offense, and. But Chris Sale struggled against these same race, and then Porcello just came in here, shut him down, economical, only three strikeouts. But, you know, he's a ground ball pitcher, didn't go up any hits, and didn't go up any home runs. This is, I mean, geez, if he can do this for a couple more times for the playoffs, got to roll him out there. And see, there's no doubt 
to me that this was one of his better, if not the best start of his season because of what he's been doing, right? You know, we, we're talking about someone needs to step up, and he did that. But now these are the inconsistencies I'm talking about. Now he needs to do it the rest of the way. Because if he does this, and then next start comes out and clunks it, gives up a three-run homer in the first inning, and, and then the game's over, or at least his game's over in a couple innings, and then he's back to square run and we're all screwed. So I love the fact that he did this because it's a team he should have done it against. I don't know what happened to Chris Sale, but it's the Rays. You need to do this, and you need to take care of business, and he did. And he got us some run support, but he, did, he shouldn't have needed it. He didn't need it, and he pitched like we expect him to pitch at this point. Now it's what do you do for me after that start is what I'm looking for because every time he does this, then he follows it up with a couple clunkers. Yeah, this is the Rick Porcello we've been waiting for all year. And this is the Rick Porcello we've expected all year. And, you know, better late than never. I just, I really hope he can continue this, especially into the playoffs. And it was great to see him go into the eighth inning, low pitch count. I mean, he threw last season, he threw an 89 complete game shutout. So we know he's capable of going long games with low pitch counts. And it's just a matter of really him finding his groove. And it was just so nice to see see a win for Porcello and see him actually pitch very well. There was no doubt about it. Even if the Red Sox lost this game, there was no doubt in telling me that Rick Porcello pitched poorly. But now he just needs to do it consistently and now all the time and now it's uh okay well now come on rick like you're supposed to be doing this all year and the trends aren't good for him right the way the way the whole year's been going the next start's gonna be crap or or at least the next time might be okay and then they'll start off that'll be crap so he's got a lot of stats against him this from this year but you know as a red sox fan you better hope that he turns this around because he's gonna be in your playoff rotation there's no way they're gonna take Fister and replace him for Porcello at this point. Um, so you got to hope That's that Porcello shame. turns it around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, he got his 10th win of the year. He had 22 last year. He will not get 20 losses because he has two starts left. So that's encouraging if you want to hang your hat on that. But, yeah, I mean, we saw what he could do last year. He was great, consistent, went deep into games. So we, you know he's capable of it. It's just a year later. So, I mean... I have confidence in him if he can just do that for a couple more starts. I, I like to see him in the playoffs, so I'm obviously a bigger fan of him than most people are, but I just really, really hope he can, you know, do this for a couple more starts. I mean, like you said earlier in the show, Jared, they get these guys are auditioning for the playoffs, and yep. if he can audition and pitch two more games of seven innings, two runs or less, then roll him out there. You want your hot pitchers, and if he does that, he's, he's good, you yep. know? So we'll see what happens. Brings into Sunday's game, the last game of the series. Unfortunately, a loss. Uh, it could have been a five and one week with a win. Three to two loss. It was a nice close game. Erod against Jake Odorizzi. Erod pitched five and two thirds, seven hits, three runs, two earned, seven strikeouts. Not bad. Certainly not bad at all. That wasn't good enough for a win. Odorizzi gave up one hit in six innings, two runs. It was a walk to Holt, and then Jackie Bradley Jr. hit a two run homer in the sixth. That was all he gave up. Unfortunately, that's all the Sox could get. In this game, Jesus Sucre hit an RB, uh, a solo home run to take a 3-2 lead in the bottom of the six, and uh, that was it for for runs for the Rays. That's all they needed. The Sox only had three hits in the entire game, uh, but Erod was good. And you know, even though this was a loss, it's, you look at it and he's pitched well the last couple games auditioning you know we didn't have yep. confidence in him a couple weeks ago and now he's showing that maybe he is reliable so maybe maybe you slot him in I mean, no this, this, you, see, this is this is this is the type of game where you're not mad at the pitcher because you you only got three hits against a team that is terrible like this is the team this is the game where you're mad at the offense because 
you didn't have anyone really step up. And, and look, this this is the hole with the offense. You don't have a guy who I hate to bring up his name, but you know you don't have David Ortiz in this lineup. You don't have that presence of a bat in the middle of your lineup, and that's what you're lacking offensively. Yeah, some of these guys can hit for average. They they, they make big plays, but they're not that clutch or like just big bat guy that you want to walk around to get to the next guy or you're afraid to pitch to. Nobody in this league is, is afraid to pitch to really anybody in this Red Sox lineup. No one fears a hitter in this Red Sox lineup, and that's the problem offensively at this point. Yeah, and it, it's frustrating, you know, when Erod pitches well, and usually we're very good against Odorizzi, and I know we've been pretty dominant against them all season. So this was definitely a frustrating game, but it's... I just feel like we always seem to lose to teams in the American League that aren't very good. Yeah, there's always that one or two, that Baltimore, that Tampa Bay. There's always that one team who gets you. So, yeah, four and two week, not bad. Um, yeah, we obviously wanted five and one or six and zero, oh, like we predicted against two poor teams. But you'll take a four and two week, no doubt. Um, could easily have been five and one. I think for MVP, we're definitely giving it to Mookie Betts. Uh, you could make a case for Pedroia. Or Bogarts, you know, Pedroia had two three-hit games earlier in the week, then he had his 0-for-9 game, so that kind of bumped him down a little bit. Uh, but you got to give it to Betts. He had his six RBI, two home run, three-hit game on Tuesday, and then he had three more hits in the 15-inning game. He had two more hits and two more RBI on uh, Sunday, and he had four more RBI um, tonight. Excuse me, that other one was on Saturday, not, not Sunday. And then tonight he had... Two, uh, four more RBI, which obviously isn't included in this week, but he had a great week, and I mean that's what you need. This guy, this guy is supposed to be your best hitter, and he definitely still is. He's been down from last year, but he's he's picking it up again, and he's getting his numbers back to what you expect from Betts, and that's what you want here yeah, early late September. Good timing, right? You know, you got to at least figure yeah. this out because you need you need somebody. Um, and this is a guy who should have been the M- an actual MVP last year, wasn't obviously, but. Um, you need that kind of caliber to play out of him if you want this team to do anything come the postseason. Yeah, and it was great to see him. You know, especially tonight too. Like you said, he had four more RBI. It was just—it's really great to see him. Just really be this player that we know he is. We know he's an offensive machine. We know he's really good in the outfield. So just to kind of see it all come together this past week for him was really encouraging. Yeah, no doubt. So Mookie Betts, your MVP for a four and two week. That oh. is that. There is the recap. Four and two. Wasn't a bad week by any means. There are some good things. There are some bad things, but the consistency holes remain. You need to, pitching needs to figure itself out in the back end of the rotation uh, for the last couple spots, and the offense needs to figure out who wants to take control of it because right now uh, it's going by committee. But the big name guys need to start stepping up. And Pedroia got hit in the head, or hit in the face with a baseball tonight that he fouled off himself. So. Yeah, who knows how that's going to be. So a lot's going on with this team. Uh, there's just recap, of course, brought to you by our good friends at FanDuel. Fantasy football for everyday fans is new contest starting every week. No busted seasons. Uh, a couple weeks into the season now, if you're having a rough 0-2 start, why not check out FanDuel? It's something for everyone. Just starting at $1. All you're going to do is pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score go up in real time. Uh, if you're, like I said, 0-2, if you drafted the wrong guy, uh, anything like that, you can kind of hit the reset button on your season with FanDuel. Uh, you can check us on at uh, FanDuel.com backslash Red Sox Beat. That's our listener league. You can play against the three of us, see how that goes against you guys. And look, guys, it's, it's as simple as this. It's it's fun to do. It keeps people engaged. Just doesn't even do league lo- season-long fantasy football, and he's doing FanDuel. That's right. No more, no more season fantasy football for me. But yeah, I enjoyed FanDuel uh, in week one. It was it was fun to 
fun to just pick a team, you know, in five minutes and then see how they see how their stats pan out. And then after that, after that day's done, you don't have to care about them anymore. Great. <laughs> yeah, it's great. This week, uh, Zach Ertz was good for me. Carson Wentz was good for me. I kind of stacked up on the Eagles receivers and quarterback, and uh, worked out well for me. I like that I have him in one of my fantasy leagues as well, so it kind of worked out uh, double the punch. But uh, right now, over 2.5 million players have won a cash prize playing fantasy sports on FanDuel. If you sign up today, go to FanDuel.com, and you click the Join Now button, you're going to use our promo code RedSoxBeat. What that'll do is give you the chance to try FanDuel for free with no deposit at all. Uh, you visit FanDuel.com to claim your free contest and play for a share of $10,000. All you got to do is just sign up using our promo code RedSoxBeat, and you'll get a free shot at winning ten grand. And If you, you don't want to win ten grand, then I don't think you have a pulse uh, because that's free money. If you get a chance in there, draft the perfect lineup, go to FanDuel.com. Promo code Red Sox beat. Of course, void were prohibited, but guys, easy $10,000, uh, right? Go pick that perfect lineup. Use that promo code Red Sox beat. And of course, check out the uh, listener league as well and enjoy challenge us uh, here. You guys some couple days to do your, your, uh, your research. Who, who's going to have what good matchup and, uh, come Sunday, we'll definitely, uh, be playing for sure. So Red Sox four and two week. Mookie Betts is just as MVP. Uh, one thing that was kind of big this week was David Price was back on the mound, guys. It's, uh, it seems like David Price is a consistent topic regardless of where if he's playing or not. But David Price is officially in the bullpen for the foreseeable future, if not the rest of the season. Now, I think he might get a spot start by the end of the year. I think it'll happen just out of necessity to keep other guys fresh. I don't think it'll mean anything long term. But I, but that being said, you know, he pitched a couple clean innings out of the bullpen. And if he can figure it out, maybe it is a good thing for the Red Sox to have him coming out of the pen. Yeah, I was, uh, I was pleasantly surprised by his... Uh... His bullpen start, he did very well, you know, two perfect innings, and it was very encouraging. And I I like what they're doing with him. He could be used in long relief, he could be used, you know, one or two innings. And he looked he looked good, which is what I was really paying attention to. And his control was good and he I just feel like he's a better pitcher out of the bullpen, especially right now, where his confidence probably isn't high. It's or it's at it's not that very not that high at all. And for him to go out there and just pitch those two innings and look confident, look good, and just you know, he wins playoff games out of the bullpen. I'll say it time and time again. That's where he belongs to the playoffs, where he belongs for the rest of the season, which I know is their plan. But I don't think they should really put him into another start right now. I think what they're doing with his elbow, just being very cautious, I think is very smart. And I'm excited. To, I'm excited for Price. I'm excited to see him come out of the bullpen. I never thought I'd say that this season. <laughs> I can't say I wouldn't hate him getting a chance to start. But that being said, I don't think his elbow is healthy enough to do it. If his if his elbow was fine, I'd let him start. But you know, I think with what their plan is, I don't think he can even get past the third inning, regardless. Like as a starter, so you might as well give him a couple innings, sit him down, let him rest for a few days, give him another couple innings, and. I think the bullpen is really all his, actually, his elbow can actually handle at this point. Regardless of what you think his ability is to start, I, I think his elbow can't start. Right, because they're doing the simulated games and you know adding any here and any there. So it would take them you know till maybe November to get up to seven or eight innings. Exactly <laughs> at the rate th- at the rate they were doing. So it really doesn't make sense besides the bullpen. And obviously we know he's pitched in the bullpen a couple times. That's where his wins in the playoffs are, as we know. Uh, and yeah, he pitched two innings, six batters, got them all two strikeouts, you know, two clean innings against the Rays, so I guess it's former team. So, yeah, I like it. I think it's good. It helps to have that extra arm um, who has some experience if he can not get hurt, if he can 
you know, keep his health and, and help the team out, it will definitely be good. But, I mean, you know if anything happens, and especially in the playoffs from the bullpen, guys never going to hear the end of it. Now, I, I think the timing has something to do with it. If he left earlier in the year or if it didn't take as long to come back, he might have been able to get a couple starts in with Pawtucket before their season ended. And that might have sped this up, and he might be starting right now. Do you guys think that, or do you think he really was going to be in the bullpen regardless when he came back? I think he was going to the bullpen regardless. I think that, you know, after him seeing, you know, playing long toss and having multiple days of rest and then all his setbacks, I think somewhere down the line before he was even slated to come back, they were like, he he goes in the bullpen. I think he would have come back and started. I think that if, if it was early enough in the season and he could have done that, you know, I think they would have pulled the experience card, said, well, this guy's a starter. He's been a starter for his whole career. He's pitched x amount of years yep. and they would have thrown it back in the, in the rotation i yes. think they would have i actually agree with jess because the way wow. it, yeah, sorry, I'm, 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 the, wow. I'm the odd man out i have a pulse it's right i'm not dead um look he's a starter that's what he is and i know they believe he's a starter and those setbacks are what the issue was if he had time to come back from those setbacks and have longevity get you know even if it was the spot start was f- first spot start was four innings and then he goes to Pawtucket for a second rehab start for six innings that's fine at that point, you can throw six innings, and that's all you need from him. Um, so I think the timing of the year screwed this up. I think he comes back next year as a starter. There's no question about that. It's the last year before he can opt out, which means he's probably going to. At this point, I think he's going to take a lot, leave a lot of money on the table and leave Boston, which is fine. They'll figure it out. But go for it. That being said, you know they handled this the right way. I don't. You don't want to force him back because you do have to have him next year, and you don't want to risk what could be a decent year this year for a longevity of him being healthy all of next year. Cause you know, you, you do need him, right? Like if he was healthy, this rotation would have been a lot sh- more like shirt up because as much as you want to talk crap about David price in the playoffs, the guy's a stud in the regular season. Yeah, he usually, he usually is. And, um, it was, you know, I was willing to give him last season when it wasn't his best, but it was, you know, it was still a decent season. And then this season when he came in and just kind of stung up the place, it, it's, it's discouraging, but it's encouraging now to see how far he's come since the whole Eckersley incident and then his whole help, elbow injury beginning of the season and, you know, since July. So it's definitely definitely encouraging. Yeah, this is pretty much what they had to do with him, you know. If you're going to have him pitch it at all, which clearly they wanted him to, throw him in the bullpen, see what he can do. You know, there's just no other option this year because, I guess, let's be honest, right, with the elbow injury in the preseason, he really didn't he probably shouldn't have pitched at all. <laughs> this oh season, God, no, no, he probably he probably should never have pitched. He should have had the surgery in spring training and been done with it. Because something's still wrong in there. It seems like. It oh was. yeah. Oh, he wouldn't have oh, had yeah. the setbacks if something wasn't really wrong. Like they initially right. put him on the DL. I was like, yeah, I'm just gonna. It's like a breakdown day. Like it's gonna just you know fix it up a little bit. Ten days, no problem. He's been out for months. Like clearly that the surgery should have happened. He just didn't want it to happen. No doubt, I believe that a hundred percent. So, and you have enough other pitchers to, you know, to start in the postseason. We're, we're talking about leaving somebody off, leaving off Erod, leaving off Porcello, leaving off Fister. So it's not like in terms of like a having enough pitcher standpoint, you don't need him. So they're not going to force it because if they did force it, he'd start in the playoffs. He'd do terrible, and then his arm would hurt, and then you know, rinse, lather, repeat. And you know him; he's <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna throw a tantrum. He doesn't want to do anything. He doesn't want to do. So if you've rushed him back too soon, if you said, "Hey, you're not healthy. This is long term." but we want to bring you back, let's go, like, pitch. You know he doesn't have the cojones to do that. He doesn't want to do that. He wants to pitch when he's right. 
Um, they could have asked him to pitch through that. He probably could have pitched, you know, that start he was scratched from right before he went on the DL. Um, he could have pitched <laughs> the pity, that game. Pity scratch. He probably could have pitched that game. He probably said, nah, it's okay. I don't need it. It's whatever. Put me on oh, the you guys, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't need to face the fans. I mean, my elbow hurts a little bit. Yeah, I don't need to pitch. Because that was fine. a home game. He cool. was scratched from, right? That was a home game. Like, yeah, it was the first the first Fenway appearance after the acting After happened. the acting So, so everyone's like, he doesn't have an injury. Yeah, it was a ten game ten game homestand, and he yeah, went on the ten yeah. day DL that day. We're yeah. like, yeah, okay. Yeah, and, yeah. And honestly, he probably could have pitched that day. Like he probably would have been fine, and he probably couldn't have done any more damage. So they, I, I still believe in my in my gut. They protected him that day. Like there's no yeah. doubt in my mind that he could have like, easily pitched. He probably should have pitched, to be honest. And they were talking about like pain in his elbow, like a few weeks before that. So cool. If you already had that, that then shut him down two elbow, weeks ago. Then- so why not? Either why do wait? That or have a pitch? Yeah. Exactly. So they waited until they got home, and they said, "Oh man, your arm hurts." Ah oh, man, we're not gonna have you pitch here at Fenway. Yeah. Oh, you should have told me two weeks ago. No you did? Oh my bad. Yeah. Well, well, you can shut you down now. Screw you guys. This team yeah, frustrates the crap out of so me. Staged. Oh, oh yeah. It's awful. And yeah, and then notice how he comes back, and his first available available date is when they're on the road. Yep. Like it's yep. A, it's not a coincidence. This guy hates Boston. He has against the team comfortable pitching against yeah, the Rays. He goes against the Rays you know? on the road in Tampa. Like it's so, it's just ridiculous. So just just <laughs> gag me now. This guy gets what he wants. The team's going to care to him because they're paying him a boat ton of cash to do nothing. And I mean, it's, they do what they want because they're paying him so much money anyway. Exactly. <laughs> so and so he doesn't care. He's getting paid. So whatever. Um, but pitching is a concern, right? You know, without David Price in this rotation, you have a backlog of guys who are. Trying to compete for this last spot in the rotation. Fister, Porcello, Rodriguez. Those three guys are fighting for a spot. What about Chris Sale? Guys, he's been garbage. Like, Is he, is he fighting for a spot? Maybe. <laughs> like, He's been up and down. And look, we, we've gone over this a couple times, and it's been a talk around the town and other outlets too. It's over the course of his career, this time of year, he tends to slow down. And, you know, I, t- I tend to always try to chalk it up as, well, he was on a crappy team. Of course he did in September. Who cares? He's a, he was on the White Sox. They were halfway up to the golf course by the time the end of the season was around the corner. Like That's what it was, but then he did it again this year, and now it's a problem. But the only thing you can hope at this point if you're a Red Sox fan, right? There's two more weeks left. He probably has two more starts of that. You have to hope that he comes around come playoff time because at this point, I don't think anything's going to change. He, only, he doesn't have that many starts left to change it, right? He needs to just pitch someone well, and then hopefully his intensity goes up in terms of, like, focus, and he figures it out, and maybe the playoffs are what kind of spanks him in the rear end and he gets going the way we know Chris Sale can. Because if he doesn't, then the trends show, you know, he's another ace who can't pitch in the playoffs, and at that point, you're screwed. No, David Price all over again? Ah. Seriously. Don't say that. Well, that's what it's <laughs> going to, you know, a regular season guy. and You know, I'm not going to crap on Chris Sale for sucking in the playoffs. He hasn't pitched a game in the playoffs yet, right? I don't want to give him – I don't want to deal him that – bad guy yet he hasn't done anything wrong he hasn't had a chance to prove that yet so maybe he comes out and throws a gem in game one of the postseason then great all's forgiven i don't care how you pitched in august when you did it in september in october that that's the right. point i mean i absolutely agree it's it's he's never pitched the playoffs and then we see him kind of fizzling out i don't want to say fizzling out but you know he's 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 struggling right now like you said jared you said he was garbage um might be a little strong of a word but yeah i'm I, a strong <laughs> person <sometimes>. but <laughs> I really think it's it's Chris Sale. I think he's going to get to the playoffs. He's never been there. So I, I think I see him as the kind of person who's just going to use that as motivation and be like, hell yeah, I've never been here before. My team's counting on me. I'm the game one starter. I know I haven't pitched well. Like September's behind me. Let me give October hell. 
And I think he's just going to come out, and I think he's just he's going to be the pitcher we truly expect him to be. I don't think it's going to be a David Price fiasco. I don't think it's going to be a Rick Porcello mess that we saw last year. I, I think he's going to pitch really well. I think he's going to surprise us and maybe even surprise himself. I totally agree. I think he's going to be so locked in that he's actually pitching in a postseason game finally after s- seven years in Chicago. Like, he's going to be yeah. insane. Hopefully he's not too amped because then he'll start giving up hits. But I think he's going <laughs> to lock in. I think he's going to be like ready for this start, and I think he's going to do really well with it. I honestly think they should skip one of his starts, his last few starts, and give him a little more rest. He's probably not going to win. David Price spot start, people. David Price spot yeah, start. It's coming. That's possible. It's I don't coming. think it should because of his elbow, but it might be. It's coming. But I think that I think they should do that because he's probably not going to get Cy Young. I think Kluber's taking him over for that, which is too bad because he was a lock like a month ago. But Kluber's pitched really well. Sale hasn't pitched as well. So I don't think he's going to get Cy Young, so I don't think you have to worry about that. Yeah, I know, chasing Pedro Martinez, maybe they won't sit him just to do that. But for the team's sake and his sake, I don't see how it could hurt. You know, you have enough capable pitchers. you got a, still got a couple-game lead over the Yankees. I say you skip one of his starts, whether that's the next one or the last one. I think that should be the next one and, and let him do his last start. I yeah. think that would benefit. And to go along with that, too, like, he's had fatigue issues in his past. Like, it's been a well-documented thing that he's had issues finishing seasons because of the amount of pitches he's had to throw because he's a strikeout guy. He's he's had to stay in crappy games because they just wanted to eat up innings because they didn't want to tax the bullpen in Chicago. There's histories of him having fatigue issues getting through the season. So it wouldn't be a bad thing to maybe rest his arm for a game. Now, like you said, Jess, I don't want it to be the last start because you've got to have him a start before the playoffs. But maybe you skip him and let David Price pitch the game or whatever. You have the flexibility to do that. Yeah, you absolutely do. And I think you need to really think about the postseason now and think about Chris Sale and his arm. And there's no way that guy's not tired. He's hurling that ball every five starts, and he's throwing a lot of pitches. So... I mean, I, Jess, I'm right there with you. They need to skip one of his starts, whether it's his next one or his last one. And it, they just they need to. They need to give him as much as much rest as possible without like prolonging it to the point where he's like, oh, he's had too much rest. So yeah, it's really it's really gonna be interesting over the next few days because he is slated to start. You know, like every the rest of the series, he was slated to start in every Yankee series. I think it was, but it was. He he puts in work every year, and he's like I said, he's got to be tired. I know he's tired. I mean, he's got he's got to skip one of his starts. He he has to for the sake of the playoffs. Yeah. He needs to skip one of his starts. Yeah, it would. Yeah. No, get Jess. I was just gonna say, just looking at his inning numbers for the last several years, you know, one ninety two, two fourteen, one seventy four, two oh eight point two, two twenty six point two, and this year two oh one point one. It's a lot. It's a lot of innings. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot on the guy's elbow. The way he throws too, it's it's flings that thing. It's a lot, and so I, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed. To that. He, he, the guy puts in a ton of work. He's obviously a good pitcher at this point. You know, you're probably going to be the third best team. You're knock on wood going to win the division at some point here as the season kind of comes to an end unless you really blow it so you got to think okay we're playing probably the Astros if this pans out the way it looks like it's going to rest them up for that let's see what we can do and hopefully we win a series and, and at least make it to the ALCS at this point yeah yep. I mean you you want to rely on Chris Sale to be Chris Sale he's got 287 strikeouts he's got the third most strikeouts That's in Red Sox history so it's like He's about, you know, when he gets five more strikeouts, he's going to be second all the time. Like, yeah. the guy's had an unreal season, and it's getting a little jumbled here at the end, which 
sucks for him because everyone's going to be like, oh, he doesn't know as good of a season. Well, the whole season combined, he's had an unbelievable season. His ERA is 286. He's got 16 wins, 287 strikeouts, 41 walks. That's crazy. So, yeah. you know, get him, get him, miss a start, pitch his last start, hopefully own it, finish the season on the right note, maybe get 300 strikeouts. And then roll on to the postseason. I think that's the best. I don't. I don't know if they're going to do that, but it no, sure would that, be the that, best option. That would be a good. That, I think that would be a good option. And um, I could talk about this all night. But one thing I want to get to before we talk about the Windians, because we have to, um, is what happened with the banner the other night at Fenway Park. Now, one, and I'm, don't take this the wrong way, people. I'm impressed they got that into the stadium. First of all, don't know yeah. how in the world they got that onto the monster. Without anyone seeing it. Like, you can't just stuff that thing up your shirt. So, mm. I don't, someone at Fenway had to have been in on it because that's the only way you get that thing into Fenway Park. There's no other way. You go through metal detectors. You go through everything. You empty pockets. Like, there's no way you get that onto the monster in your shirt. Like, there's no yeah, way. It's like going to, the, going to the airport, going to Logan. You empty your pockets. Your cell phone comes out. Everything yeah. comes out of your pockets into buckets. So they check your bags. The only thing I can really think of is that if they folded up enough where they put it like almost in a sweatshirt and they just had the sweatshirt in the bag and I, just, I don't really see them being able to fold it up that small and still have it look like perfect when they yeah, unravel I'm impressed. It. I guarantee someone at Fenway Park was in on it but not it, not the point of us talking about it so I was just impressed that they got it in um, but I just think it's crap like I'm so done with this this is not and this is kind of a transition of talking about baseball as a whole too around the league but this is not like a, a, a place where this crap needs to happen like Racism has no place in sports. It, it hasn't in a long time. Um, obviously, Fen- Fenway's in Boston's had its reputation, especially since Adam Jones and that whole situation. It doesn't help that by any means with that sign coming down. I don't even know what it meant. Like I was really confused about the actual meaning of the sign. Um, it, you couldn't really tell if it was pro or against race. Like You don't really know. Um, so they, the guy who wrote it was probably an idiot in the first place. But I just think it's garbage that, one, you make the effort to get in there, and two, stop using sports as a platform for this crap yeah i mean i was i was at this game and just i completely missed this i went to the bathroom right before this whole thing happened oh, so oh, come on it was to be there and it was so i left and i came back and my boss had texted me he said how messed up was that banner i was like banner what are you talking about banner oh. and he sends me it and i turn around to the people behind us and i was like what happened while while we were gone and they're like oh my god there was this banner that said racism is as american as baseball and i'm just like all right i'm done and jared i'm right there with you like leave politics out of sports it's garbage. because because my thing is is there's so much crap going on in the world politically wise and i'm not one to talk about politics it's just i i hate talking about it i don't engage in it and so many people i'm sure you guys too Especially me. I know I do. I watch sports to get away from the crap reality out there, the, from oh, yeah. the crap politics, and just to bring it into, just to bring the politics into sports, especially baseball. It just, there's no place for it. And it just pisses me off, too. Boston already has a terrible reputation of being the most racist city. And then you're going to do this. Just absolutely 100% leave politics out of baseball, leave politics out of sports. There's a time and place for it, and it's not in Fenway. It's not in baseball. It's just it's not in professional sports. Just stop because it's so frustrating. It's like I said, it's like sports is the escape from the crap reality out there. Don't bring that into into the innocence of the game. Yeah, the whole thing was weird. I mean, you, you, like you look at the sign, and you're like, racism is as American as baseball. 
and it seems like they're like against racism and then they were talking afterwards and like different different media outlets were talking to them and they were like no it was an it was an anti-racism sign like we we don't we don't want racism and it's like what a, what a strange way to go about it yeah that a lot of people out, think baseball is american so at that point you were agreeing with racism so right you're like oh baseball's american the racism is american so what how is that an anti-racist it makes no sense like if you're gonna do something like that do it right like it doesn't i don't get how their goal and they're like i don't get why people were so confused about it how do you get that look at what you wrote yeah you rolled it, rolled you it down the graduate monster, like, anything because that made no sense first read i was like oh they like racism cool like get over it whatever everyone thought that yeah mm-hmm. well, that's, that's, that's kind of how it read like yeah i don't know i've watched you know a bunch of videos and same thing i've i've read up on this i've kept my eye on this and one of the videos i'd watched from somebody who i don't know if they were holding the sign or if they were like part of this whole thing but they said like oh you know there's not a lot of minorities in baseball they don't reach double digits it's this and that i was like there's so many dominican baseball players if you're gonna talk about minorities like cuba dominican uh i'm pretty sure xander's the only player from aruba to play in the, the league like there's a lot of minorities in this league and I'm sure, like he specifically meant black people. And we you know Adam Jones. He, you know, he had the whole thing this year. Last year, he said baseball's a white man's sport. You know, there's a lot of diver- diversity in baseball. People just don't open their eyes to see it. The, David Ortiz is Dominican. You know, we had Jackie Robinson. Everything he did for the league. It, it, there's so many people out there that are in the league that they probably don't even realize are in the minority. Yep. Because they're just so blinded by it. I mean, they're probably 22, 23 year old kids probably even, maybe even younger than that living out of mommy and daddy's basement and just <laughs> i'm kind of mad that they spent all those money on monsters he's just get kicked out in the fourth inning yeah seriously how much <laughs> money did you fork to get up there like that also such a weird place I, for the sign i think that also makes that also makes me believe even more that it was an inside job because i can't imagine those guys forked over that kind of cash for monsters i mean I, they, someone had yeah. to just let them up there 200 dollars I mean, plus the monster is like, you know, it's a great spot. Everyone sees it. And like where we were sitting, we were sitting kind of by Pesky's pole. I, if I had didn't miss this whole thing, I would have had the perfect view of it. Like just where my seats were as in correlation to the monster. And, but it was literally as if it was literally as if nothing happened when I came back, I was like, oh, okay, like Cause, cause they got rid of it so fast. Yeah, they, right, they, like they, 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 they nixed that real quick. Good but everyone took pictures of it, of course. Cause yeah. I mean, it doesn't take it. You, you wouldn't think about it. the media is there covering that game. Their their eyes are on the field all the time. Anything drops. Like, what is that? What is that? Oh, like, yeah. Especially in such a visible place like the monster. I mean, that's why they did it, obviously. But like you said, it's the monster. It's, you have to buy those tickets like in advance. You can't buy them, you know, like last second. They cost like two hundred fifty, three hundred, four hundred bucks. Like, what a what an investment to to pay if they paid for that just to bring that sign in and get kicked out. Oh and yeah, it's, it's also absolutely ridiculous. It's all- it's also not a spot in Fenway where you can just kind of like sneak in. Like, you know, you're sitting in the bleachers, you find a different seat, kind of scope it out. You just go to like a different section. And the monster, you know, they're checking your seats. I know just they do it in the, the right field roof box. They check your tickets. They yeah. they stump, uh, stamp your hand. I mean, there's, you can't yes, just there's sneak like, in. Yeah. there's like ins and outs about it, but there is absolutely help. Like, even when I work on sets of Fenway, like they stare at my credential. They're like, okay, okay. I was like, I, I need to get up here. Like, it's it's very tight to get up there. I know Jess. I know yeah. you sat up there. So it's 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 wild to me. Obviously, like it, it I'm sure it was an inside job. I don't want to say obviously. I don't specifically know, yeah. but it it seems like it was everywhere from the the sign getting in there, just being on the monster. Like 
I don't know if they've even looked at it, but like, were those people in, in the monster seats the entire game, or like, were they like? Right. Yeah, you don't know. There's, there's, so there's, many a, questions. there's a lot of things going into that that makes me believe it was an inside job, or at least just one person at Fenway had to right. get on because they, there's they had all the stuff that had to have happened to get them onto the monster with that sign and getting kicked out in the fourth inning. Like you wouldn't pay that much to do that, as much as you might hate or like racism, whatever that sign meant. You don't you don't like it worth five hundred dollars whatever whatever those tickets are going to run you because you're not planning that months in advance you're not buying those monster seats when they go uh-huh. on auction you go oh let's do something about this let's go buy tickets man yeah let's do it bro StubHub that let's go <laughs> SeatGeek use the promo code don't use the promo code for something like that but look it's one of those things where there's a lot going on you're not just gonna drop four hundred dollars and do that someone's gonna help you and it was probably someone's idea and they're like oh man i got a, i got a buddy that works at fenway he'll sneak us in no problem yeah and you could you could have just done it in center field the same thing you just lay it out in center field like right there it's yep. basically the same as a monster just a few feet lower and not, boom yeah pay you can pay ten dollars and just roll your <laughs> sign out and get kicked out just like you do in the monster why why would you why wouldn't you just do that it makes no sense exactly so dumb. it really makes no sense the whole thing is stupid but uh, before we get out of here, let's do um, let's talk about the Indians real quick because streak's over, officially over. They lost 22 games. Um, this is the best team in ba- baseball right now because the Dodgers can't get out of their own way. But um, probably going to not have to play them now, which is good. So thankful, thankful for the streak in that sense. But just overall, quickly, your guys' thoughts on the winning streak and kind of what it meant for the, the Indians moving forward. And obviously, we all cheer for Terry Francona because he never should have been let, fired in the first place. Yeah, I mean, it was. it's so much fun to watch a team, no matter who they are, unless they're the Yankees, to accomplish something so fun. And like I said, I've said it before, I've said it last week, this is exactly why I love baseball. These streaks don't happen often. They're so few and far between. And for them, I mean, 22 games is huge. And you think like, oh, 10 games, cool, 11, cool. Then it's like, wow, we're get, really getting up there. And, you know, the fans, the fans were amazing after after they lost and you know just to stand there stay there and give them the standing ovation that they so rightfully deserved and i know there was jokes around you know they had like they were tweeting taylor swift after they won their 22nd game (laughs) they like everyone was having fun with it and it was really hard to not root for them just because it's something you don't see you see once every i don't know never yeah, I can't. I mean, I don't even know if I was alive the last time something like this happened. That was so. Almost the longest streak, period, with no ties. I mean, that streak from like 1920 or whatever was 26 in a row. I most certainly wasn't alive. But it was like the unbeaten streak. Like the tie is gross. Like that's right. There's a tie in that. Yeah, this was the longest strictly winning all win streak. Yeah, and they passed it 21. So. I mean, I found myself, you know, checking scores of the Indians game every every day just because I'm like, oh, my God, did they win? Did they win? And I know last week I have a friend who's diehard Indians fan. And when I was on my way to Fenway on Wednesday, he texted me saying, never losing again. This was a pre-scheduled text. And so finally, when they lost, I I was like, nobody likes you when you're 23, kind of quoting a blink <laughs> 182. And I was like, this was a pre-scheduled text. And he's like, well, can't win them all. I'm like, oh, shut up. No, it's good for baseball, though. It's what it is. Like, as much as you hate to be the Indians, it actually favors the Red Sox because now that's a terrible matchup as a team. But you you look at what the Indians have done, and it's just, 
look, they, they don't sell out every game, and they no one was missing those games. Those stands were getting full. My question now is, do they keep going out? Like, right? Like, do the fans keep going out now that they're they're winning this much? They're they're the best team in baseball at this point, and they're playing the best. And now they got a playoffs to look forward to. You know, the playoff games will probably sell out. There's no question because they do have good fans up there. But my like the the winning streak kind of sparked the plug back into this. The city, because base, this team was supposed to be the dominant AL team right there with the Red Sox, and they too were kind of having an okay year until this winning streak. Yeah, they really weren't that good. I mean, they were good, but not like exceptional. They were just kind of hanging around, you know, what, like 10, 10 12 games over 500. And, and now people are calling sudden, them a juggernaut. Like, Right. They go from like 69 and 55 to 90 and 50. Five, and it's like whoa that happened fast so yeah i mean it's hard to win 22 games in a row that's insane like baseball that doesn't happen because you know it's hard to win two series in a row much less like eight series in a row it's insane a lot of wins um they're only a game and a half up on the astros though because they've all of a sudden won four games in a row so this is not over they could still not get second which shows you how much how, how well the Astros have played this season. Uh, Indians are 93 and 57. Astros are 91 and 58. So yep. they're right in their tails. Uh, one of them's going to get it, but you know, to put themselves in the position to get 100 wins, winning 22 games in a row, you got to have a lot of focus to be able to win that many games in a row. You can't just, you know, you can't have any, you can't have any. Bill Belichick, no days off, <laughs> no days off to win 22 games in a row. That's extremely hard to do. Really impressive, longest streak ever. And a lot of those wins weren't easy wins in you know we saw we saw them fight through some serious battles to to win these games so it really showed what kind of team they are they they were really their heads and their hearts were in these games no doubt um it i mean it sucks to see them lose 4 to 3 but i think i would rather see them lose 4 to 3 than like 14 to 3 yeah. On the other hand though they what do they have a hundred, a plus 109 run differential during that they were like beating teams badly they were like, beating they had a couple teams close games at the end but they were really stomping everyone they yeah, were scoring they, five six runs early and holding them off it's like literally all the runs they should have scored during the year when they were playing man they actually put them all on the scoreboard during that win streak like they made up for what they should have done all year within those 22 games and it's just you watch this team play and now it's okay this is the team they were supposed to be and i think the record they have now and where they're going to finish is what they were expected to be at it's just they got them all at sure. once because they weren't supposed to be as bad as they were the consistency of the year right like you said Jess, they weren't awful but they weren't the juggernaut they were supposed to be this is the team they were supposed to be all year and i think houston kind of rebounded after a crap year last year the biggest disappointment has been the red sox because they were supposed to be that team right up there with the indians and everyone was picking the red sox to if not the indians to go to the world series i know lauren was so like it's just still, one, am. <laughs> still am apparently so it's one of those things where the winning streak's great, but now they're at the point where this is what they were supposed to do record-wise. Now they got to finish it. If you're a Red Sox fan, you're rooting for the Indians at this point because the Indians are the worst matchup. Anyone who plays them at this point is going to lose. I think they're going to the World Series. So if you want to get to the ALCS and have a chance at the World Series at least, you got to hope you play Houston. Yeah, I mean, I kind of had this conversation tonight at work with with one of our members. I just said, pretty much said the same thing, that you, we need to play Houston because, I mean... As much as I would love an ALDS rematch, I know what Cleveland can, is capable of. You can do it in the ALCS. I'm fine with that. Right. I mean, that, I'd be fine with playing Cleveland in the ALCS, but I wa- I'd want to play Houston first. And it's kind of funny because if, say, we do play Houston in the ALDS, 
we play them in the last series of the regular season, yep. so they, they could potentially be playing eight, nine games against these guys in a row. It's, Seriously. It's weird how baseball works. Yeah, it is. I mean, either matchup's going to be tough. They both have 90-plus wins. They're both really good teams. So are the Sox. 86 and 64 is nothing to you know, sneeze at, but no. they're both going to be hard matchups for sure. I mean, I think a lot of people are hoping for the Astros, and you know that might not be good either. So, well, I think it's, it's more of the hot team than anything else, and not, right. like, you don't want to play the Indians right now at Did all the costs. Peak too early though. What if they go on a little skid here in two weeks? No, nah, they, 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 they won't. They're, they're roster. Anything can happen. Baseball is weird. They could go lose every game the rest of the season, and everyone would be like, "Oh, I want to face the Indians. I suck." No, I don't like. No, the Red Sox had issues with the Indians, and, the, and Chris Sale can't pitch against them even more than anybody else. So I don't want to play the Indians. Doug right. Fister, baby, Doug Fister. Seriously, um, he's good against them. Yeah. All right. Before we get out of here for the week, let's do our predictions. Um, all on the road. Three at Baltimore started tonight, and then three at the wonderful, wonderful, horrible uh, Cincinnati Reds. So, uh, Lauren, Baltimore series. What do you got? The Baltimore series. I was really torn on, um, but. I'm going that we're going to win two out of three. I really wanted to pick a sweep, but Baltimore, I feel, always gives us problems. And I just feel like we can't. I mean, I know they're not a good team, but like I said early in the show, there's always that American League team that isn't good that we're just, we can't win against. So I'm going two out of three. Obviously, tonight we won, so that's a good start. And it was a very encouraging win tonight. So two out of three from Baltimore. And uh, as much as I want to pick a sweep, I just I just can't do it. Yes. Yeah, I, I have the same winning two out of three. Uh, I wasn't feeling good about it earlier before the uh, the comeback bid tonight. Uh, that was that was good to see. Really, really gutsy win that you probably shouldn't have won. So it makes me feel better about it. Yeah, I mean it's hard to sweep that team even though they lost like nine of the last ten games. But yeah, they are that currently that team that sucks. Have had some trouble with. So I think two out of three would be a good good thing against them. Yeah, um, so I got them losing two out of three because they're in that team with the Red Sox that for some reason can't play well against ever, um, and they're in Baltimore, but that pick was before they won tonight, and I kind of expected them to lose tonight. Uh, but either way, um, look, I, I still think they're going to lose two out of three. I think this Baltimore team has always given them fits regardless of how good they are. For some reason, they just can't play against Baltimore. I don't know what it is, but um, I, I'm going two out of three against Baltimore, and then I'm having them sweep Cincinnati. Because uh, Cincinnati is just bad, and every time I say no, I, that, that something will happen, and they're not going to sweep the bad team. They always end up sweeping the bad team. So uh, four two week for me with sweeping Cincinnati. Um, Jess, what do you got going on in Cincinnati? So you got the opposite um, because we thought they were going to sweep the A's. They didn't. You know, you thought they were going to sweep the Blue Jays a couple weeks ago. They didn't. So I want to pick a sweep, but I want to pick two out of three because. You know, that's just how it works. In Cincinnati, the pitchers are going to have to bat, which I'm looking forward to. I always enjoy pitchers batting. It's kind of a kind of It's a weird that it's this late, though. It's weird there's an NL series this late. Oh, I know. It's really late. You have guys taking batting practice. It's weird. So I'm going two out of three. Four and two week. I think that would be solid for all the road games. But, you know, it could be better now that they're 1-0 so far. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, Jared, I'm going with you on this one. I think they're sweeping Cincinnati. I just... They're so bad, and I know I just said like we, the trouble with the with bad teams, but and I know with Oakland and Blue Jays, but no, they they're sweeping Cincinnati. Uh, they absolutely have to, and I I love watching pitchers bat. It's it's just it's so weird. Cause, well, yeah, you're, I mean, you're, in your defense too, like the the Rays have some talent. They played okay earlier in the year, so like they're not a completely easy win. And the A's have some talent, but like Cincinnati just hasn't been good all year. They they haven't even shown signs of life. 
No, and I'm, that's why I'm feeling really good going into this series, and I feel like the Red Sox have really have something going, and they know that their lead in the AL East is not it, it's not big. It's it's no. slim. It's very slim. So I think this is. I said it last week. I think I've said it for the last like three weeks. These are important series that they need to they need to win. They need to pull away in the AL East. And I understand the Yankees have to do their part and lose too. But the Red Sox need to either keep their ground or just find a way to pull away. The only thing that concerns me is that the Reds are over five hundred at home. They're thirty nine and thirty six. Horrendous on the road. You know, twenty games. They are really bad on the road. I know they're not on the road, but like they are really if, bad on the road. If this was a home series, sweep all the way. But we'll give them a little credit with their their three game three game edge. You're too nice. Yeah, field. you are a little too nice. There you go, though. There are the predictions. Uh, five and one for Lauren. Four and two for uh, Jess and myself, just in different variations and. Uh, Hopefully they go 5-1, and one, Lauren, because that would be really nice because they need to win this division. A lot of divisions are clinched, right? And Nats already clinched their division. Indians already clinched their division, and so did the Astros. So Red Sox need to clinch this stupid division. I'm done with the stupid Yankees. I'm done. Over it. Um, but that's another show. That's another week. At Red Sox underscore beat on Twitter. Facebook, same thing, to get the show um, updates and everything like that. We'll keep you updated. Obviously, all the roundtables going on as well um, on CLNS in charge by Jess. Uh, don't forget to follow CLNS Media on Twitter, at CLNS Media. Don't forget FanDuel. Check it out. Uh, Red Sox Beat promo code, as well as if you go to FanDuel.com backslash Red Sox Beat. Awesome listener league uh, playing against the three of us little schmucks here playing fantasy football. Um, I have four other leagues to play, but I, just, I still do FanDuel because it's nice to hit the reset button and win some money. Um, and that's my way of talking smack against people. So log in, play against us. Uh, we'll, we'll, I'll try to take you down, and we'll try to take you down, but... Uh, see if you can beat us in our listener league as well. Um, until next week, for Jess Thomas and Lauren Campbell, I am Garrett Scally. This has been Red Sox Beat here on CLNS Media. We'll-